Hi, this is Ivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Alan Silverberg is the author and illustrator of three Viking picture books, Meet the Latkes, Meet the Matzah, and soon to be published, Meet the Hamantaschen. Alan's cartoon-filled novel, Milo, Sticky Notes, and Brain Freeze, won the SCBWI Sid Fleischman Humor Award. The book was partially written and illustrated while he was the James Thurber children's author in residence living in the attic of Thurber's boyhood home in Columbus, Ohio. His other MG novels are Pond Scum and the almost 100% true adventures of Matt and Craze. Maybe Kraz, I don't know. C-R-A-Z. In a former life, Alan has written and created TV shows for Nickelodeon, Disney, and a bunch of companies not named until the check's clear. The, the only known person with a BA in cartoon communication education, Alan also has a master's of education from Harvard's Graduate School of Education. Alan moved escaped perhaps to Montreal and is happy to be there with his wife and dog Zeus. Welcome, Alan. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a pleasure to be here in this new year. New things are happening. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what to say about today. It's... I know we are recording this on the the morning after the insurrection in the Capitol building. And so we're going to ignore our, our, our huge feelings about what's going on and, and talk about fantastic yeah. children's books and Let's do that. <laughs> humor and laughter and family and, you know, all the great things included in your books. So thank you. We'll divert ourselves to that. <laughs> yes, let's divert. Yes. <laughs> so as you know, my kids are obsessed with your books. Well, your first book, but now, you know, the anticipation of the second book. Meet the Latkes. Tell us about Meet the Latkes. Tell us about Meet the Matzah and all the rest. And I know you have other books and I, well, let's start with those two. Well, well, here's the thing. I am a Jewish man. I was raised Jewish. I never expected to be a Jewish book writer. But when I started to think about Hanukkah, all the kids' books that I read to my kid were shtetl books. I'm not saying those, there are other books out there, but Hanukkah to me became these dark kind of really cool books. But I wanted something light and silly. So I came up with this idea based on a little holiday card I made with using flash animation to send to my agent and my friends that you know, it was just a little lackey family saying, you know, happy Hanukkah. And my agent finally said, you know, after getting it five years in a row, said, why don't you turn that into a kid's book? And at first I was like, no, that's not me. I know. And then the more I thought about what I just said, which is, why not have a silly, funny way to look at Hanukkah? And so I started this book, no publisher I will say on earth, I won't say in New York, no publisher wanted it because mostly my first draft had it being about a latke family having a latke party, which meant they were making latkes. So all the editors were like, well, we can't publish a book about latkes eating latkes for Hanukkah. Mm. But there was one editor, Lila Sales at Viking, who said, you know, there's something really funny here. 
And if you work with me and if you'll just kind of be patient, I know we can find a book in this. And so together we created a funny way to tell a story about Hanukkah through this absurd family, which I already had through the greeting card and through my first draft. And I realized that I could be like a little irreverent. I grew up on Rocky and Bullwinkle and like irreverent humor to me works on many levels. I wanted adults to like this. And so I wrote this Meet the Laka book and I had no idea it was going to take off. Uh, I was just thrilled that, you know, I was getting something into the world. And, and suddenly I became kind of the, the as, as my publisher said, because I, I tried pitching them new things. And they said, no, 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 you're the funny Jewish book guy. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I had no intention of doing a second book. It, like, to me, it was not a series. It was like, done. But once they said to me, you're the funny holiday, Jewish holiday guy, I started ruminating. And, and Passover seemed like the next sort of holiday to do, but I had no idea for it. And one thing was clear, the, the format for Meet the Latkes is Grandpa Latke comes into the family. It's a family story. And the grandfather tells a tall tale about, as he would say, Hanukkah. And it's up to the family dog to dispel his story and get the real story out. I didn't want to do another like matzah family and I had no idea what to do until it popped into my head the name Alfie Komen. And I was like, for anyone who's not Jewish listening to this, and I know you're there, <laughs> in Passover, the holiday we're talking about, one of the rituals, and I'm sure as a kid you you hunted your home for the Afi Komen, is to take one of the ceremonial matzah and you break it in half, and you one half gets hidden, and later in the in the seder, which is the meal, the kids go look for that. Anyway, I loved the idea of a character called Alfie Komen, and once I had that idea in my head, I pitched them the idea of making it a school story, where Alfie Komen is a kid who loves to hide, and hides. To, it's his it's his escape mechanism. And he's charged with telling the Passover story, but the school bully, who's also, everybody's bred at this school. So Loaf, the school bully, takes over Alfie's story and takes the, the class on this wild Passover story that Alfie gets to correct. So I loved it. I loved it. The editors loved it. And it's coming out. This spring, and I'm very, I'm very excited about it. I, you were one of my first readers. I'm, oh, I'm so honored. No, oh, it's I loved true. It. I it's loved true. it. It's and it's different enough. It has like the same sensibility as you were saying, but a different, more jokes, more clever things hidden in there. A different story. Loved it. Fantastic. Well, humor is so important, and I, 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 you have younger kids. My, my kid is all grown up, but you have younger kids, and you know when, when you are laughing along with them telling, reading a book. There's such a wonderful connection. And that's something that I always had with my son when we were, when he was growing up and we were reading books. And I, I like funny. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I won a humor award for, you know, the Milo book. So it, funny is kind of in here and it's important. I totally. And healing and healing. And, and healing, healing, especially around holidays, which, as you said, a lot of the picture books are very didactic and trying to teach you. Yeah. And, you know, they're not and history books per se, but they're not 
fun. And you're like, it's like, okay, so holidays coming. And so I go to like that section of my bookshelf, if they're actually organized and pull them down, you know, and I'm like, all right, guys, now we're reading about this. And now finally there are these new entrants that are bright and cheerful and clever. And it's just great not to say anything negative about the other ones. No, of course not. There's a place for all of those. All those books are really, every book that talks about diverse holidays in any way, I don't care how you do it, it's important. But it's nice to get some humor out in a storytelling way that kids can embrace. I love getting, and now that the book has been out, it's hard when you do a holiday book because you basically have a week of attention. (laughs) And then it's like, so I've had three weeks of attention because it's been out for three holidays. So I'm now getting a lot of, really positive feedback from like families. This is our family holiday book or parents write me and say, my fourth grader takes this book into the second grade and reads to them. And like, what is better? What is better for an author? Or for- what you have to do now is write one about Shabbat because then it's every week. I right, hold on. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> oh, I thought maybe you had it. You were going to. No, 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 oh. actually. But I am. I might as well say it. I am working on the third in the series, which will be out next spring, which is Meet the Hamantash. So oh, that's I have cool. a Purim story, different, totally different setup. It's three Hamantashan detectives who have to solve the, the missing Purim story and they go to a party and they think everything is happening for real, but they have to piece together all the clues to create a Purim story. Interesting. Yeah. Well then, maybe after that you could do meet the holla. All right, we'll yeah. talk. We'll 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 work something out <laughs> afterwards. Okay, but this is not all you do. You no. sent me your book at a very important, sad time for me about what was clearly your own experience right. masked in <laughs> middle grade fiction, which was so. I have not stopped thinking about your own story. Tell listeners a little more about that book. Sure. And how you channeled your own childhood loss of your mom into this beautiful oh, thank middle you. grade thank you. novel. First of all, I, I know this has been a really tough, forgetting COVID, I know it's been a very tough time for you. And every time you post, because your heart is like out there always, I just, I just feel you. And I think that's what inspired me. I wanted to write to you and just... Knowing that the book that I wrote called Milo, Sticky Notes and Brain Freeze was like 10 years old or eight years old. I just wanted to reach out to you and say, you know, moms don't have time to grieve. And I I get you. I get the pain that that is. So my background is basically in children's television and... This is part. This leads to it, really, and no, go from the beginning. Yeah. How did you, so, you start from the, the beginning of your career here? With so that. I worked in children's yeah. television for years, working for Nickelodeon and Disney and all, all all those folks. And once I had a kid, and we read, my wife and I read to him constantly. The storytelling I was doing, as my wife would say, was mostly on the page of my scripts, like all the description in in my scripts was so beautiful. She said, why don't you start thinking about writing a book? And I had a kid and we loved reading. And so I, I transitioned slowly into writing a middle grade novel. And the first middle grade novel was called Pond Scum. And uh, it, it, it did okay. But it was a funny book about transformation of a kid who's lonely in the woods and turns into animals he touches. Anyway, it published. I was now an author. Time for my second book. What do I do? And I was having a very hard time coming up with an idea. 
And around that time, Wimpy Kid had just really hit big. And I am a cartoonist. I'm a doodler and a bookseller in Wellesley, uh, Massachusetts, said to me, why aren't you doing like a Wimpy Kid kind of like a funny book with cartoons in it? And I'm like, yes, yes, that would be great. So I started a book about, you know, a middle school kind of geeky, anxious kid named Milo, who is the new kid. That's all I had in my head. And I, I did the first chapter and my story, my own personal story, wasn't even on the horizon. But I had to start thinking of what it was like being 12. And the more I had to access that part of me, the more, it wasn't like I had shut out my life, but I had to really acknowledge my own past. And my mom unfortunately died when I was nine of a brain tumor. And it was one of those obviously very traumatic, the traumatic event of my life and happened very quickly. And, you know, it, it is what it, it happened very quickly. So as I thought more about Milo, I realized, well, if I'm telling what's in me anyway, what if Milo had lost his mother? And once I opened that door, it was, it was a floodgate. I mean, literally a floodgate of catharsism, but pain, but also was such a blessing. I started writing things like the book became lyrical. The book became poetic. But what happened is I realized I could still keep the book being funny. And it wasn't an intentional thing to say, oh, I'm going to make a funny book about death or grieving. But I was a funny kid. And if I'm telling my story, everything that was coming out of me was very autobiographical, even though the story, you know, veered away from some of the things that happened to me. And it, I just poured through this story of Milo coming to terms with the fog that is always around him. And whew, it was a healing, life-changing process of creating art. I I don't know what else to say about it. Selling that book, I was, I think, you know, I believe in these things. I, 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 it was, I was blessed. I was, it was Kismet, Bashert. The editor, Lisa Abrams at Aladdin, Simon & Schuster, got it instantly and like wanted this book. And no one else wanted it, but she got it. And we connected on such a deep level to create this book. I'm so proud of this book. The book is amazing, and Thank you. not least of which, you can tell that it's real emotion. That's why when I didn't even know your backstory when I read it, I was like, oh my gosh, this had to have happened to him. Like, it's too real. There's no way you could imagine. And, and then that sort of the authenticity that comes through every page, it's, you know, it's like your heart is out there as well. You oh, know, the reader I, is just immediately bonded to you and, you know, Milo by association, what happens in his journey. And, you know, it's hard for kids that age to put their feelings into words, right? And yes. express. Yes. And it's hard even as a parent sometimes to connect with your child who's going through something like that in their own liminal brain space, right? So having a book as like the it's like the translation vehicle. It's like, it is. you know, it's, it's like, you know, Chevy Chase and like National Adventure <laughs> Communication. I mean, like had that 
translator on the plane, like souffle means souffle. You know, it's like one of those old fashioned machines where you would type in a word and get something else. So it's almost like the, it's like the translator of grief and from childhood to adulthood, the intermediary, if you will. And that's a tough age because it's an age that often I think with grief and I grew up in a different time. So grief for my parent, my father was, you're okay. Everything's fine. And it really, I, th- I see now kids who are, have lost a parent in more recent years and the remaining, the surviving parent is talking, is looking at therapy, is looking at, and I'm not saying that across the board. It's such a, there is no one size fits all, but it's certainly, it's traumatic. And when you have something traumatic happen, it affects a kid and that kid needs something whether it's therapy or talk or love or understanding. And that's what I hoped the book would do. Or cartoon latkes. <laughs> well, that's, that's it. <laughs> and, you know, I, I didn't even know this award existed, the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. I got a phone call. It was like, hi, this is, you know, Lynn Oliver. And Milo won the, the Sid Fleischman Humor Award this year at, for a book about a mom's death to win the humor award was the biggest, like it was exactly what I wanted. I wanted to use humor to really look at something so heartfelt and, and deep. It was quite an honor. It, that's, it's well-deserved honor. And I, I really think humor does have such a role in grief. I mean, it doesn't stop just because like the, the huge sadness has to be tempered by the crazy, the absurdity of some of the moments. And I think a lot of books by, you know, memoirs about grief, for instance, that I've been reading lately, include all these absurd, funny moments because you have to laugh, right? I mean, even when my husband and, you know, the grief of his mom, there were so many times he and his sister and I were like hysterically laughing within days after and then feeling bad. And it's like, no, 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 this is part of it. Like all your emotion, the range of emotions don't stop. You still have the full gamut. It's just different pieces sort of have highlights on them at different times. So they don't stop. They don't stop. They rumble forever. And it's a question I think of how you feel during those rumbles. And if you giggle during a rumble, that just means you're remembering something that's really sweet, I think. Well, I'm sorry that that happened to you in your life and the pain of that. I feel awful for you and your family, and I'm sorry that that happened. But I am glad that you turned it into a book that the rest of us can take. When When I do school visits or someone writes me and says, you know, I remember one particular, right when the book came out, a, a girl walked up to me very shyly and quietly, just like wouldn't look at me, but said, I lost my mom too. And just to know that she was able to say that to me meant that she was able to talk about it and that the book touched her in a way that was part of my intention. Wow. So going back to your career for two seconds, so you finished Milo, you win this award, and then what happened? Then, so I won this award and then the pressure's on for what's the next book. And I didn't want to do anything <laughs> remotely heartfelt, <laughs> which, <laughs> which it may have been a mistake. You know, like maybe I should have stayed with that, you know, push, pushing those strings. So I wrote a middle grade novel called the, it's all, they changed the title. So The Almost 100% True Adventures of Matt and Kraz which is the same vein of a book with cartoons all through it. 
And it's the story of two best friends who are the school cartoonists, but they want to be better. And they find a way into getting a magic pen that turns everything they draw into reality. So their their whole world is a be careful what you wish for story. And their whole world gets turned upside down by themselves. And they have to figure out how to fix it and save their friendship and save the school and the world. And so it's just a silly book. And it, it's also filled with heartfelt things. There are parent problems, there are sibling problems, but it's a little bit more silly. And then that led, you know, then I took a break to go back into TV and then I went to the picture books. The piece I didn't say about the Latka book, which was the first book of the picture books, grief is tied into that as well because I lost my sister about six years ago. And it was at a point where I was doing another TV job and I won't lie and say that I will tell you I hated it and I was miserable and I was making okay money. And I kept thinking, I want to do something for myself. I need to do something. Life is short. I can't, I can't do this. And with the support of, of my lovely wife, who's like, you, you know, it's, life's too short. Don't. I quit that job. And like, you don't quit these jobs. But I quit the job and poured myself into getting the Latka book ready to try to sell it. And great decision. But it, it came from wanting to give myself something. Wow. Yeah. And giving everybody else again. It's like. <laughs> well, it, it eats itself as it goes in a circle. Wow. So, having done all these different types of writing yeah. from TV, cartoons, writing, and drawing, I mean, it's not, you're not just a writer, right? Draw, like artistic expression, I would say. What advice would you have to somebody who's starting out, perhaps, or who's struggling to be a writer, or who wants to tell a story, or can't find their way in, or any of that? What would you say? Well, I, first of all, finding your way in, that's a great way to put it. it. It's a tough way to get in. Getting in is hard. And I think I would always say to anybody, it sounds a little pat, but don't give up. Don't give up. Believe in, believe in what you're trying to do and keep reaching out to other people and keep looking for openings and keep getting used to the word no because you're going to get a lot of no's. And I say this to the third graders, but it only takes one yes. And I believe in talent, and I believe in storytelling, and I believe it's not magical. I don't believe there's like a, a, a way to get published or a way to get a job. But I, I do believe if you believe in yourself, you also have to work at it. There's, it's not like things happen because I want it to happen. I do believe a little of that. But you also have to kick at the doors and reach out to people. And I hate the word network, but know people, talk to people, believe in yourself. I really believe to believe in yourself. Very good advice. Plus now these should be, you should do a whole like TV series on Jewish holidays from this point of view. Are you working on that? Funny you should say that. I am working on it. I, I, I am trying to, I'm working with the people who you work, one works with agents and producers. I want Meet the Latkes to be the first. I did a whole PowerPoint presentation from when I pitched this in Los Angeles. There has never been a Hanukkah animated special. There are tons of Hanukkah episodes and Hanukkah mentions in other shows, but there has never been a standalone Hanukkah animated TV show. And we are trying desperately. It's hard because, you know, as much as people want to be 
diverse and inclusive, they, they always pull out the, well, how many people are actually Jewish and who would actually watch oh, us? So yeah. the percentage is actually, and my feeling is it is time with all of these outlets. It is time for diverse stories, diverse television, diverse media. And yes, I am trying to, thank you for saying that. Yeah. I am trying to do that because, and I have some connections and, and I've, I've met with some pretty big people and they're really into it until they have to go, well, the business model doesn't really support. And I get that. So I'm trying, I'm working. Well, thank you. I think it can't just, I don't think it should just be, I'm sorry. I just keep like forcing my views on people, but I don't think it should just be Hanukkah. It should be all through the year because yes. as you know, with every holiday, we sit down and we all try to find a good show and, you know, Hanukkah time, comes, you know, and I'm like, the only ones we found by the way, are Sesame street because yeah. they do have a whole series and they, and sometimes we've even had to watch the Sesame street in Israel once. Rock of Shum Shum, it's got a I forget the yeah, name. It, yes, yes, it yeah. has some sort of name. And I'm like, I can't, and they were DVDs and I used to show them to my older kids. And I was like, <laughs> no, no, we have to watch like looking for the Afi Komen, but don't worry, half of it is actually in Hebrew, but, <laughs> but whatever, you know, it's a funny song. So yes, it's time. And, you know, there have certainly been TV shows for smaller groups of people. I mean, come on. Uh, so. Anyway, it's, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. I'm also working I'm working with a producer in Los Angeles. We're turning Milo into, we're trying to sell Milo as an animated series. Hmm. Not just about grief, but a funny way to look at anxiety and social emotional issues, but through the character of Milo. And we'll see. Lots of fun stuff in the works, right? It, I can't do one thing. I get, I get bored. I get bored. I understand that. <laughs> I know. Who am I talking to? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I understand that. <laughs> well, it was great talking to you, especially today. And oh. I am so excited for all that's coming and to have a hard copy of Meet the Matzas this spring. And, you know, you could almost even hide the book. Oh, 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 I forgot to show you. Somebody for the holidays sent me a matzo. Oh my match. gosh. Those are amazing. So I, I'm pitching now that all books should come with matching masks, at least for the next year. Oh, I like it. Just a thought. But get a little pouch to put the book in. Ooh. And instead of the matzah, you can just, you have a matzah pouch and then you could like hide the actual book. Okay. We'll talk offline. We'll, okay. Okay. We'll okay. I'll stop. <laughs> I just want to thank you, Sibby. I want to thank you. We kind of found each other through connections of friends and stuff. And I just really appreciate you. I, I love how hard you work and how dedicated you are to caring about people and caring about books and caring about yourself and your family. Oh, thank you. That's really nice. Well, I'm glad our paths have crossed. I am and, too. And COVID ruined it, but I, I still will come to your house at some point and we will make latkes. I would love it. Anytime. Once okay. the, you know, once yep. the gates yeah. open, open invitation. Okay, <laughs> All right. Have a great day, Alan. Thanks, Zibby. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 